All right. Hey, once again, thank you everyone teaching our children. Thank you so much. And uh, we pray that you get as much out of the lesson as they do today. That's assuming, of course, that they get a lot out of it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jossie, we got a new drummer up here today, he's already left. One of my oldest friends, Brandon Mastin, plugged in. Not one of my oldest is in, he's old. This guy back here, he's my oldest friend. Brandon's just been my friend for a long time. Now, who did y'all look at when I said this guy's my oldest friend? Because I wasn't even pointing at anybody. If everybody looked at you, you're old, okay? Happy Father's Day, by the way. Maybe Father Time. <laughs> It's Father's Day. I do all the dad jokes I want. <laughs> Anybody can learn from what we're talking about today. But we're going to make things specific to fathers, okay? Uh, we want to do that for dads. We want to honor dads. We want to honor fathers. And we want to give you some Rangers tickets when service is over as well. All right, Daniel chapter 6. We've been going through Daniel. We took a little break and uh, did something different last week. We are back in Daniel. This is going to be our last week in Daniel uh, because after Daniel chapter 6, everything, as it, 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 even before Daniel chapter 6, things get very prophetic. If you've never studied Daniel uh, and the prophecy therein, it is absolutely fascinating, and you can watch as things that were talked about uh, well before the time of Jesus have already come to pass and, and even things that are, that are unfolding before our eyes. So really fascinating, but it's, it's too much to explain in an hour. It needs to be done in a class. So we're not going over some of the prophetic portions of Daniel. So this is our last week in Daniel. And uh, this, this is a true story. This is one of my favorite things about Daniel. It's a true story. We have these things validated through extra biblical history. We have these things validated in archaeology. Uh, we, we know of times and things and places that are mentioned here that, that get covered up. And how would anyone have known about it? And then, boom, we dig it up in the sand one day. I just love it that this is a true story. This is not folklore. So uh, let me catch you up on, on Daniel. Daniel... Uh, was a Jew. They didn't call him Jews then, uh, but Daniel was, uh, was a Jew, and his country was captured by Babylon. Uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, took some of the brightest young minds and raised them up uh, to serve him, and Daniel was one of those. Daniel was so wise so faithful and so intelligent that he served under many kings and he served under many kingdoms and was rediscovered as someone who was wise and could be trusted by every king in every kingdom. So much so that many of his writings were preserved. There's actually stories about Daniel that are written that are not part of our canon. They're not part of our Bible the 66 books in your Bible, okay? Hey, I'm teaching you this. We didn't expect you to know it, okay? Nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar today. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Right outside as you exit today, please take a Bible. It's free. It's our joy for you to take that. So it's not a burden. Please take it. But maybe you didn't know that. There are 66 books. The first 39 are 
are God creating the world, choosing a people, and promising that a Messiah would one day come. And when he comes, boom, the New Testament or the new law or the new covenant begins, and that is what we call the New Testament. So we're in the Old Testament in Daniel. So this is sort of the story about Daniel. Now, it is interesting, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, uh, takes Daniel, discovers that he's very wise, and then you kind of roll on down to Nebuchadnezzar's maybe uh, whoever is taking the throne over from him. So like in Hebrew, uh, the word for father could also be grandfather, or it could also mean predecessor. So we're not quite sure who takes over uh, from Nebuchadnezzar and their relation to him. But we know that one night, uh, this guy kind of starts making fun of God and takes things that he had, uh, that Babylon had taken out of uh, the Jewish temple and began to practice revelries with all these items and drinking out of these cups and sort of just making fun of God. And then a hand shows up, not a body, just a hand, and writes something on the wall. No one knows what it means. And then finally somebody says, I know somebody who might know. And they go and get Daniel, and Daniel says, I know what that means. That means that uh, you're going to die tonight, and by tomorrow uh, a different kingdom will control this place. And it happened that night. Uh, so a new error begins. So uh, the Assyrians had taken over, the Babylonians had taken over, and now Medo-Persia. Boom! We've got a new king, a new kingdom. Daniel at this point is 83, we think. Okay? So I'm going to just give you a little warning. We're talking Daniel and the lions then today. Okay? But the Sunday school version you got of a little boy praying and lions doing tricks on a ball or whatever is, is probably not right. Uh, Daniel was thrown into a pit, something that lions couldn't get out of. Uh, at the age of 83, y'all, I got bad feet at the age of 38. I'm not jumping into a pit, okay? Get me a ladder. I'll get down there myself. Uh, this was a very an abrupt thing that had happened. So, so just know that when we talk about it, that Daniel is very old. He's been found wise, and he gets thrown to the bottom, and he rises back to the top. God is always preserving him. Now, we get into a new kingdom and a new king, and this king begins to set things up a little differently. And so he appoints 120 people basically to be, let's call them governors. And then over them, three. Daniel is one of the three that's over the 120. And the king finds him to be so wise and so trustworthy that he's now going to realign his entire kingdom so that everyone reports to Daniel. Now, Daniel's a Jew. Daniel is, was a slave to the people that we just conquered. He's beneath us. He's below us. He can't possibly be over everyone, so we've got to get rid of him, right? That's the story that you're jumping into. Now, go with me, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. All the scripture will be on the screen. Darius decided, Darius is the new king, to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over the three administrators, including Daniel. And, 
and over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to charge, uh, to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. All right, pray with me. Lord, I pray that you will show us. I pray that you will teach us. Bring us into an understanding of your word and give us something uh, for today. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, so uh, you know the scenario. We've just explained it. Daniel is trustworthy. Daniel's doing the right thing. And we all know from every radio station and from every sermon that you've heard that when you are trustworthy, when you do the right thing, that God is going to bless you and you'll be healthy, wealthy, wise. You will never, you'll never be sick. You'll never need a doctor. You'll never need medication, right? Well, turns out, God never signed that contract. That's just not the way it works. In fact, we know that there's a little bit going on opposite. I'm not saying that God will not protect you. God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. God will bring you through your trial. If you will stay faithful to God, I know that you are in a trial at some level. You've got someone maybe that you love going through a trial. You're praying through it with them. If you will be faithful to God, he will be faithful to you. But that does not mean that you will never get thrown into the fire. That does not mean that you will never get thrown into the lion's den. Fathers, if you lead well, you will be under attack. Fathers, if you lead well, you will be under attack. The world is setting the bar for fathers so low that if you try to raise the standard, everyone will revolt. Why? Because it's easier to keep the standard low than for somebody to raise the bar. So we will persecute the man who raises the bar. And the world will do that. Fathers, if you lead well, it is worth doing, but you have to understand what you're signing up for. You will be attacked. You see this in Daniel. Satan attacks men who lead well. Why? Because they are a threat. You're not afraid of things that aren't a threat. If Satan is not attacking you, you're probably not doing your job. The enemy is always looking to take you out, and he will purchase you. Listen to this, okay, because this is, this is profound. He will purchase you at your lowest price. He's a great negotiator. Satan will purchase you at your lowest price. Now, we can extrapolate this to everyone, but it's Father's Day, so we're using dad analogies, okay? Dad, what amount of money... Would you accept to neglect your children in their formative years? None, because we're men. You could offer me a billion, a gajillion, a gazillion, doesn't matter. Nothing comes in front of my kids. 
I would not accept any amount of money. And you don't have to because you're so much cheaper than that. You're one new app on your phone away from total neglect. Right? We are one new game away from total neglect. We are one argument with our spouse away from total neglect. We are one new job away from total neglect. Satan doesn't have to offer you the big bucks because we are so much cheaper. All he's got to do to distract me is find my currency. Just find my currency. What is he like? And this is why this is so important. Because, listen, we, in, in this place we are Christians. I am, I am a theist. I believe that there is a God who's in, tr- in control of this universe. For some reason, he saw it necessary to create Lucifer, Satan, the devil, And there are those heavenly beings who saw fit to follow Satan. They are organized. They go after threats. There is someone, something who is watching this place. I don't know how it works. Is something in charge of Eastland County? Is something in charge of Ranger College? Is the three things here? I don't know. But when you become a threat, you are monitored. And it's pretty easy. If you followed me around, you could tell what I'm distracted by pretty easily. So if you become a threat, you will be force-fed whatever currency will distract you. Fathers, you've got to monitor yourself. You have got to make sure that you are not neglecting what you have been entrusted with so that you can be like Daniel and be found with no neglect and no corruption in what you've been entrusted with. They said the only way we're going to get something against him if it's against his God because this dude neglects nothing. The enemy is looking for you. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling, prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. You are being pursued, fathers. Dads, it is you. I gave this statistic last week. I don't make the statistics. I know I'm doing this two weeks in a row. Forgive me. I think you need to be reminded of this. And I didn't make this up. This is not something that I'm telling you this is the way it should be. I'm telling you I'm reporting the facts. I'm not writing the mail. I'm delivering it. This is just the way it is. If I want a family to come into the kingdom of God, to begin to come to church, to begin to serve the Lord. If I reach the children of that family, I've got maybe a 15% chance of reaching the entire family and bringing them into the kingdom of God. If I reach mom, I've got a 35 to 45% chance of reaching the family, bringing them into the kingdom of God. If I reach the dad, I've got about a 95 to 98% chance of reaching the family and bringing them into the kingdom of God. Dads, you are under attack because you are important. I didn't say you're more important. 
I said, you're important. There is a way that things have just been naturally set up and you lead and it does not matter if you choose to lead or not. You are leading. You just get to pick the direction you are leading in. Right? You are leading. Fathers are under attack. Now let's see how Daniel deals with this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King, Dar- May king Darius live forever. I love, I love all the sucking up in this. It's just like every time somebody talks to the king, especially in Babylon, because that dude was like large and in charge. He didn't have governors. He just did everything. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. The king is so distracted by the flattery He doesn't see the underlying mission. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, uh, uh, as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. Sorry. So first, we learned that Satan attacks fathers who lead well. And that's anyone who can lead well. It's Father's Day. But second, understand this. Your culture can't set the goals for a father. They will always choose the lowest setting. You cannot let culture tell you how to lead. Let me explain. There's a lot of stress in life right now. Some of you have had to stop watching the news. (laughs) Some of you have had to turn off AM radio because your blood pressure cannot take it. You have a lot of stress. You have a lot of uncertainties about the world. And my question is, has that changed how you parent? Probably so. Many of us have become very negative. We've become very salty in general. And we're wondering whether we start doomsday prepping or we continue on, right? We keep pursuing Jesus. Daniel is faced with this. There's going to be an edict signed by the king. And it's going to say that anyone who does not serve the king only for 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den. Culture is trying to dictate how we worship. Culture is trying to dictate how you parent. The Bible just remains constant. You remain constant because the word remains constant. Don't let yourself get eaten up with, with politics, with worry, Because we serve a God who will never leave us or forsake us. Is it going to go down one day? Think about this. We have the book of Revelation. We know that some stuff's going to get weird. Stuff is already getting weird. I'm not, don't, I didn't say that the seven years have begun. But we know things are weird and we're probably not going back. (laughs) Whatever, whatever back to normal means, 
It ain't going to happen. Your kids will never know that normal that you knew. And so everyone is following a new path. God never called for that. If Daniel can stay on his path when there's an edict that anybody who doesn't do the new law, the new rule, the new normal is thrown into the lion's den, then you can do it. Don't let culture dictate how you respond to situations. Let the Word of God do that. This is what we follow. Okay, here we go. Let's see what he does. Verse 10, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave, gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and, and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? As if they didn't know, like they had forgotten. They wrote it. The king answered as the law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, hate to tell you, but the God that you trust more than anyone that we all just so happen to hate. Verse 13. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. And as soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Remember, I've taught you this. In Hebrew, you don't use a lot of adjectives. So when it says he was very displeased, oh, <laughs> This king is ticked. You're going to find out later. He was ticked. Okay? Most of the time in Hebrew, we just repeat things. We don't use a lot of adjectives. There's not a lot of fluff language. It's just repetition. But it says, he was uh, very displeased. And he set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. This king is in a tizzy. Verse 15. Then these men went together to the king and said to him, You know, your majesty, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, and no edict or ordinance uh, the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet ring of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went into his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. I would like to think that I would be bold like Daniel walking into this lion's den but I think that I would, I think tears would be running down my leg. Let's just say that. <laughs> this would be a very intense situation. And Daniel is going in. The king has tried everything he can do to change this. And the king comes to him before he goes in the den and says, your God's got to save you. There's nothing that I can do at this point, right? And so Daniel goes in. Here's the interesting thing. What would you have done? Now, we've talked about this before, but what would you have done when there is a paper sign that says, if you pray to anyone but the king for 30 days, you will be thrown into a lion's den? 
my rationale immediately goes to this. Well, I'm no good to anyone dead. Right? I mean, I would be better working maybe underground, keeping it to myself than being line poo. There is an easy rationale here, right? I mean, I can pray. Nobody can stop me from praying. I can just pray in my head. I could be talking to you. I could be praying right now. Y'all wouldn't even know it. Right? This is what I would be doing. But Daniel remains constant. He knows that he serves a God who's constant. And when I say constant, I mean that he was already doing this. He didn't just start. Since we're doing some uh, Rangers tickets today, I thought we would use this again. You know, when the game is on the line and you're up to bat, you are home team, you have last bat, the time is out, and you're down by one, you've got a runner on third, you've got to make connection with the ball. When do you train for that? Exactly. You, you, if you didn't train yesterday, you're probably not going to hit it today. How many of you, if I stole your child, well, let's not use me for an example. That's a bad example. If Chris stole your child, this dude runs a thousand miles a year. Chris steals your child and starts running down the street with your child. How many of you could catch him? Some of you are like, snapping my heels. We're going to try it. What are you going to do? He, he, he steals your child and he runs down the street. What are you going to drop down and give me some push-ups? You going to work out real quick? I've got to train before I get up to bat so I can be confident that I'm going to hit the ball. I've got to train in the off season so that I can protect my children. I've got to train in the off season so that when there's an edict written that I can no longer serve my God, I'm prepared. Listen, at some point, as if it hasn't already happened to you. At some point, you are going to get put into a situation where you are desperately going to need godly wisdom. You're going to need it in an instant. And if you don't have the Word of God in your heart, Google's not going to help you. You're going to get put into a situation where you've got to decide if you are going to follow God or not because it's not logical what he's calling me to do. And if you haven't prepared in the off season, that runner from third is not coming home. If you are not prepared in advance, this is not going to happen. Have you read uh, Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place? You think anybody knew what Hitler was up to. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're faced with hiding these Jews. Everyone in the neighborhood says, don't do it. The SS will murder you for it. What are you going to do? Corey Tinboom had her faith long before the Holocaust began. You've got to train in the off-season because I promise you, eventually, something is going to come to test your faith. If not, go coach a little league team. <laughs> something is coming to test your faith. You cannot get ready the day of. What in your world can you get ready the day of? 
This morning, I got ready for church this morning the day of. You didn't go buy that shirt. You did that before. If you did go buy clothes this morning just to come to church, I applaud you. (laughs) I doubt anyone did. Just as he had done before. Daniel was a godly man. Why do you think God chose him to do all these things? You want God to use you? Go ahead and prepare. When we were in India, there was a young man and uh, many of the guys there, which I know Hindu is a super, super peaceful religion, right? Except for all the guys in this seminary, their pastors had been murdered by Hindus. Um, and, and that's not me bashing anyone. I'm just saying there's kind of a, some misinformation in the U.S. Because when there's 330 million gods, you just pick a violent god and worship him that day, right? You think I'm making that up. But these men had, uh, they were going into villages to minister where many of them, their pastors had been murdered or uh, they were just sort of uh, outcast, uh, pushed aside, kicked out of places. They couldn't rent places for being a Christian, stuff like that. Uh, but they were going anyways. And one man, uh, he, was, he was, I say man, he was probably 20 years old. His wife uh, was pregnant and his bicycle had broken. And he was starting a church. And the man who was running this seminary said, what have you done to prepare in faith? Now this is a place where uh, it's like two bucks a day is the average income. He said, what have you done in faith to prepare for the God's provisions And the young man said, I went and got my motorcycle license. Now that sounds weird to you, but there everybody rides in a tuk-tuk, dude. They've got a moped riding five deep that is not uncommon at all. And he said, I went and got my motorcycle's license. And the man smiled and said, my sons are in the U.S. They will buy you a motorcycle. He already had his license. What are you doing to prepare for God's provisions to do His work. Dad, what direction are you pointing the arrows that you're shooting? If we don't start training, I call it, and this is our third thing for today, training for reigning. If you don't start training for reigning, we are raising up Christians, from the ground up, we are raising believers who will change the culture of this place. If you don't believe that, I don't know what you're doing here because that's the goal. It's what we're doing. We are training for reigning. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him, and also before you, your majesty, I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Uh, Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up out of the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Remember when I said the king was ticked? Now we're getting there. 
The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children, and their wives. You know how you don't go to the grocery store hungry? You don't go to the lion's den mad, okay? You go overboard. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Don't be intimidated your God is bigger than whatever someone is setting up against you. Now, this is the part where I start like screaming about how God is bigger and those lions won't kill you. But do you know what happened to those who followed Jesus? Many were literally eaten by lions for being Christians. They were persecuted in every imaginable way. If you've not read or looked at some of the Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, a Christian band in the 90s rewrote it, wrote a book called Jesus Freaks. Either one, you will notice that you're not always delivered from the lions here. But you still serve a God who is bigger. The reason that Daniel was spared, God only knows, but we can assume that Daniel, who was praying, facing Jerusalem, praying over his city, over his people, over his country, that they would one day again be a people. We can assume that the fact that he was praying three times a day during that and had been praying three times a day leading up to it had led him to be so important in the kingdom of God that he was indispensable at this point. But other believers, other Christians, have not had such a fate. This is interesting. Still, your God is bigger. I think it's interesting that Darius wanted to see if Daniel's God would save him. Darius was not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you don't allow people to worship you like God. In fact, all of the time, I think I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the Old Testament, every time you encounter the phrase, the angel of the Lord, that is actually a mention of Jesus. And one of the reasons that you can tell the difference in Jesus in the Old Testament and angels is the angels will not accept worship. We know that he was not a Christian because he was accepting worship. <laughs> but he wanted to see, and this is the interesting thing, you know that he was praying. I wonder if he was praying to Daniel's God. You know that Daniel was praying. You know that other Jews were going, oh God, please don't let Daniel get thrown into the lion's den. And he did anyways. You understand, I know I said it already, you understand that being a Christian does not mean you will never face 
the lions. It does not mean that you won't face a giant. It does not mean that you won't be thrown into a fiery pit. It does not mean that as one of the prophets were that you won't be sawed in half. It doesn't mean that you won't be crucified on a cross. It doesn't mean that you won't be boiled alive. It doesn't mean that you won't fight lions in the Colosseum to entertain people while you are mauled to death. Being a Christian doesn't mean that. It means that your God is bigger. It means that as Stephen was being stoned, stoned to death, can you imagine? This is not like, uh, this is like people taking rocks and crushing the brains out of your skull. And Stephen said, I see my father coming. He won. It doesn't look like that from our perspective. I bet you Stephen's doing fine right now. He saw the father coming and what we would think, oh no, this is just a tent. This is just temporary. Sometimes you survive the lions, sometimes you don't. But your God is bigger than death. That's the point. Jesus came and they crucified him and then they couldn't find him later. There's still nobody in that grave. No one could find him. It was such an upset that in extra biblical uh, 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 literature, we still read about how they couldn't find the body because he defeated death. He defeated something greater than the lion. He can shut the mouth of the lion he can kill the lion he can defeat the lion do you remember the scripture that we talked about earlier can y'all go back to first peter 5 8 i think it should be the next one be sober-minded be alert your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion well we know from daniel that he can shut the mouth of that lion Church, I know you're going through something, and if not, buckle up, buttercup, because if you're following Jesus, you become a threat. I know that you're going through something. I know you're trying to get out of some stuff. I know, my goodness, I know you're trying to quit smoking, and they won't leave you alone at work. You never had people offer you cigarettes. You tried to bomb cigarettes for 15 years, and now everybody's offering you a pack a day. I understand how this works. You're going to be force-feed whatever currency Satan thinks that he can bring to you, but that's, that, that lion cannot overcome you. He shuts lions' mouths. I can't preach better than that, somebody. I understand that he is after you, but he's just a little kitty cat with his, with his mouth shut. He has a very intimidating demeanor, I understand, but you'll get down on your knees three times a day you pray to God, you stay consistent, you follow him, you don't let the culture tell you how to parent, and that line has no effect over you. Death has no effect over you. A large enough rock to smash the brains out of Stephen's skull had no effect on him. This is just a tent, this is just temporary. Burn my tent down, I have a mansion in my homeland. I have a king and a kingdom, and that's where I belong. I'm just here for a goal, kick me out, Whatever. You think being the pastor of this place is like, oh, we're going to get him fired. I fantasize about not being in the ministry. <laughs> I could get a lot better deal on an oil change. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a threat to me. It's not a threat to you to be kicked out of this place. My king takes care of me. I don't have to be the pastor to be a Christian. It's a burden for me to be a pastor. Now, now I understand that God puts things in me, and if I don't get to speak them, if I don't get to preach them, I'll explode. But I could call you on the phone and tell you that. He can shut the mouth 
of whatever lion is threatening you. So the last thing is do not be intimidated. In our lifetime, I'm sure, and it's already in California, there will be things that are congruent with your faith that will land you in jail. Don't be intimidated. Paul got thrown in jail and changed the world. You may face the lion, but you serve a God who tames lions. Don't be intimidated. Let's go over those again. Satan attacks fathers who lead well. Mothers too, but it's Father's Day. Your culture cannot set the goals for you as a father. They cannot set the standard. You have a different standard. One that's unachievable, but we're trying anyways. We are training for reigning. We are training to lead. We're not training for the lowest standard. We're training to raise up leaders, to change up world shakers and movers. And last thing, dads, don't be intimidated. I hope, fathers, that your last time on this earth to see your children, you can look them in the eyes as a proud man, not ducking your head ashamed. And that would be worth more to me than a couple extra years. It's easy to say, I'm not walking into the lion's den. But if we don't train for it now, we'll duck our heads in that day. Worship team, I want you to come up. The worship team is going to come up. They're going uh, to play a song to close us out. And the baskets are going to come up. And that's, you know, if you're a believer, part of the way that we worship is with our tithe and offering. But also, uh, there's a connection card that you have gotten. If you have a lion pursuing you, we want to pray against that with you. Drop that in there. Let us know. We'll be praying for you this week. Uh, when, you, when you do that, when you send us emails online or, or when you drop these in, I want you to know that we are praying over those things, uh, that people do get a call unless those connection cards hit my hand and then they get lost. But as long as they don't make it to me, we are, we are doing that with you uh, as, as best we can. So make sure that you drop that uh, in the plate. And we want you to be empowered. Church, you are not a stepping stone for this church to grow. This church is a stepping stone for you to grow. You are the priest. You are the one with the calling. And we want to empower you, equip you, and encourage you so that you can do that. And I pray for you. Let's just pray. God, in the spirit of prayer, I pray that you will set the ball on the tee and that we will have the strength and dignity and courage to hit it, God. I pray, Lord, that those things that we pray for and then we never acknowledge, we never thank you for, God, that we will have our eyes open, that we will see those and we will take the opportunities that you give us. God, I pray that this church will be equipped and encouraged and will go out and, and bring people to you. God, you told us that you have sheep that need to come home, God. You told us that you have people in Ranger that you love 
And God, we believe that. We believe that with you. And God, let us play whatever part in that you want us to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.